welcome to the second season of our triune pod we are still preparing you to praise join me the reverend nick comiskey and the reverend bendy hart for a conversation about low-key theology lived experience and often unrelated pop culture as we break down one of the psalms we hope it's an inspiring maybe a bit irreverent but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some god time Ben DeHart, we're here for another episode of OTP. How are you, man? I'm really good because Scott Kent Jones is with us once again. Scott, how are you? I love your Rick and Morty shirt. What's going on? Absolutely nothing is going on. I'm living a boring life, which is why I'm thrilled to be here with you two. This is the highlight of my day. I was talking with friends about how excited I was to come on your show because I like it. I'm, a, I'm not just a, a guest. I'm a listener and I like what you guys are doing. Oh, that's nice. When we were bantering a bit before the recording started, like, hey, what should we talk about? Like, you've been reading anything cool, Scott? And he's like, well, I've been reading a lot of Nietzsche. I was like, all right, man, let's go open up the can. What? Thus spoke Zarathustra. or what are you reading? I opened up the portable Nietzsche and just started rereading it. So I'm just kind of rereading mm, like, like the- Like many people do with the Bible, just where the Lord right. reads. <laughs> you just pick it up and start. And I'm finding it uh, very fruitful to read because I think Nietzsche is more into total depravity than Augustine and Calvin combined on steroids. So let's, I mean, let, let's, let's, let's dig in here, man. So yeah, people that are listening to this pod are like, okay, I know, I know that name, what possible insights that Nietzsche has that would be not applicable, but like interesting or relevant for me in the way I understand my life. What would you, how would you answer that question, Scott? So I think Nietzsche is really honest about the darkness of the human condition and how we are just really tragic creatures. But I think some people think Nietzsche is nihilistic. I don't think that's actually true. I think Nietzsche is a guy walking around looking for faith. You know, he had a really tragic Lutheran upbringing. He was so smart. He was given a full professorship, I think at the University of Basel, where Karl Barth would later teach, at 21. Okay, so hey, you think you're pretty good, hey. I'm 26, Episcopal Seminary. I have a 3.8 grade point average. I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, the 21. They're like, there's nothing we can teach you anymore. In philology, so he taught languages. So the guy was fascinated by roots of verbs and nouns and things. I mean, I, that's where I think Nietzsche is just beautiful. But Nietzsche said something so great. And I can't, I think it's in the gay science. He says, I can't believe in a God that doesn't dance. And so I feel like wow. Nietzsche has the capacity for, what is it in, um, I think it's in Moby Dick where Moby Dick talks about this Catskill eagle that can go down to the depths of the crevasses and fly up to the peaks of the mountains. And I think that's beautiful. I think that's uh, and it's one of the things I think that's most compelling about Christianity. I think I'm not a big guy for apologetics, right? I don't want to like beat people up in arguments, but show me a worldview or a religion or a liturgy or a theological perspective that can give you a fuller picture of the human condition. And I'll convert tomorrow because I, I haven't found it. Um, mm. I think it's the, Christianity is the Catskill Eagle, man. It can go down and up. It, it, it can give real meaning to our dark parts and really uh, illuminate and humble us in our high points. And I think that's, uh, and I see an echo of the gospel in that in Nietzsche. So. Do you think, Scott, that people do one better than the other? As if to say, do some people find it easier to revel in the crevasses 
versus be more apt, celebrate the wonderful things. Like, does that make sense? Like I, that tension of uh, like, I always had this question when people, you know, like just are all about lament, you know, like just get really big on the lament train where it's is joy or celebration harder for some people. I, I'm, not, I'm not asking a very concrete question there, but did you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I think so much of life is temperament. And I think also temperament changes. What do you mean by temperament? Is that like a biological reality or is that like a, a like an undefined, but like very real people use I, well, the word wiring a lot, you know, like, yeah, is it that I, yeah, I think God made us finite. And so I think like I can, once God makes me a creature, I'm finite. And, you know, I might be able to, there's some things uh, I can read pretty quickly, but I've never been a good deep reader. Like I've never been a good scholar. I'm a wide reader, but there are other people that just by temperament can drill down. I think their brains are wired differently. Or like the people that I knew in graduate school that did biblical studies with languages, they loved languages and they were good at it. And I wasn't good at languages. You know, it's I struggled with it. But that's what's beautiful about creation, right? Because the beauty is you come alongside these people that you need, right? And, and you would expect, I mean, I think this is, again, uh, I'm not a huge like uh, apologetics guy, but within, you know, there's, you know, 14 clubs in a golf bag for a reason. I think if God is triune, the father's not the son without the son, the son's not the spirit, you know, like all the Trinitarian members are not each other without their one anothering. I think that's part of the beauty of creation, right? That this, we're hardwired to need each other and to need the people that are not good at what we are. And I think the, the beauty of spiritual growth, I think the beginning of sanctification is loving your limits. So when you can embrace the fact, I mean, the beginning of sin is loathing our limit, right? So like, hey, you can't eat the fruit. Why? I want the fruit. You know, the serpent said it's good. Hey, and I think the beauty where we can love our limits and say, oh my gosh, I can't play the banjo like you, or I can't read Greek like you can, or I can't interpret films like you can. And I love that. I love what I can do. <laughs> I served a congregation years ago and this charismatic couple came to the congregation. It was a mainline Protestant church and they had two severely developmentally retarded twins. They were like 15 and they would just come hug me and they loved me. And, they, and I never experienced the grace of God more than when I gave them communion. And they just were thrilled <laughs> and they couldn't, you know, spell or say John 316, but they knew what church was. They knew that and they knew what God was. Yeah. I mean, and, and the beauty, the beauty of finitude, even in its tragedy, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Thank you, Scott. We haven't even started. <laughs> I'm moved already. <laughs> I'm coming in hot. I'm coming in hot. Well, speaking of uh, a God who dances, I think we let's transition to the Psalm. It's Psalm 148. And I don't know if God would dance to this, but I think you could do some liturgical dance to this Psalm. It goes like this. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all you angels of his. Praise him, all his host. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, heaven of heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. He made them stand fast forever and ever. He gave them law, which shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you sea monsters and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and fog, tempestuous wind doing his will, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild beasts and all cattle, creeping things and winged birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, 
princes and all rulers of the world, young men and maidens, old and young together, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name only is exalted. His splendor is over earth and heaven. He has raised up strength for his people and praise for all his loyal servants, the children of Israel, a people who are near him. Hallelujah. Scott, initial thoughts. Uh, I, I like it. So this is uh, this is going to be the trite a truism colloquial version of the podcast. So you guys will never have me back on. But I like I like the kind of the Psalms. You can find the glass half empty Psalms and the in the glass half full Psalms and everything in between. So if you turn left in your Bible for those, because we're talking to Episcopalians and Episcopalians don't know the Bible that well, right? So we say you go left, you just go, you know, and you'll find that you'll find Psalm one thirty seven. <laughs> Where the last line is, please bash my baby, my enemy's babies against the rocks, please. It's I mean, I think creation is a place where we see both order and disorder and God's mystery of the way God's ordered the journey. And I think this is a sort of half full sum where the psalmist is kind of saying, hey, look, there's a lot of order here. Look, if you're depressed, if you're sad. If you're feeling defeated, if you feel like Israel is God didn't fulfill the promises. Hey, look, just look at things. Look at the creation. You get up every day and you're seeing all this order. And I think this is good medicine for the cynics. <laughs> you know, like I find this in my own spiritual journey. I am allergic to skepticism, but very susceptible to cynicism. And I think this is a this is the kind of thing where the person whose faith it gets too cynical. It's like, hey, look, there are these beautiful things. The thing that keeps me sane, and this, I'm gonna tear up. I follow these animal pages, and you see that these dogs rescue their owners. <laughs> Or go in and save children. It's unbelievable. I mean, the real stories where dogs are protecting the image of God. And I think this is that kind of psalm. And I think the people that are have too ordered of a faith and they're saying, How can you believe? They need a little different psalm, right? They need, but this is a good psalm for Episcopalians and liberal Protestants. I don't think the fundamentalists need this psalm, right? But but I think that I think that the, the armchair skeptic intellectual that sits around sipping martini and saying, oh, it doesn't make sense. Nothing. No one can know anything. They, this is their medicine. They need to throw a shot of this in their martini, like a little bit of vermouth and um, a little bit. And I'm not we need the skeptics. We need the critics. Right. We need that. C.S. Lewis says you don't want to see through everything. You want to see through the window so you can look at the rose garden. <laughs> But you don't want to see through the rose garden. I think this is a psalm that's saying, hey, look, if you look around, God's given a testimony to the fact that we're not in this alone. And you just look around at these relationships and it's beautiful. I don't know what camp I fall into of the camps you mentioned, but when I first read this psalm, I was a little bit frustrated with it. And I think that's because I didn't think that there was that much there. There wasn't enough to analyze, you might say. But then I, I waited about 10 minutes and read it again and was like, oh, this psalm isn't really about this profound theological analysis. This psalm is about praise. The theologian who dies and goes to heaven and there's no more sighing, there's no more grief, everything is great. But he discovers that he would rather turn in his ticket. He'd rather go back down to earth because there's no one there that wants to talk about God with him. Everyone's busy enjoying God or knowing God. And here in this psalm, there's a clear point. The heaven 
heavens are praising God. The earth is praising God. But a lot of this is just, it's like prayer. We're talking to God. We're praising God. All of creation is reveling in how great God is. And I, I'm convicted by, because I am that theologian. I'd rather talk about God than talk to God. Yeah, you would, Ben. <laughs> uh, no, that's, that's good, man. I think my, my initial thought was the way that the psalmist is inviting or maybe conscripting all of creation into praise. He's basically the choir master. What's the image? It's like beauty and the beast, you know, the candle. It's like waking all these things up to dance and sing. It's almost as if the psalmist here is uh, Jason Alexander and the OG beauty and the beast as the candle master guy, like bringing all those things up to praise. I think what it reinforces to me and in, in, in a way that it challenges me is that, you know, I'm a modern person and the religion for me is primarily a matter of the intellect and the soul or like my inner world. And I don't really think about trees and rocks and fruit trees and beasts and cattle being involved in the mosaic that is the created universe that exists to glorify and praise God. Does that make sense? That sounds a little abstract, but I think what I'm trying to say is this Psalm is a good reminder that the glory of God is like woven into the fabric of creation. And there's a way in which that can get kind of lame. Like I go on nature walks and experience God, you know, like yuck. But I think there is something biblical of the quote, the Psalter, the quote, the Bible, fire and hail, snow and fog, tempestuous wind, wild beasts and cattle, what is it, sea monsters, right? It just, there's like this cacophony of noise that comes from these different creatures that are all part of the universe that God created and loved. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And there's this great line at the end that he also exalteth the horn of his people. Which I think is a reference to First um, Samuel two one. And Hannah prayed and said, "My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. Mine horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over my enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation." So he's thinking that this barren woman, right? Like she thought. But there's no future. And, and this is, I feel like God saying, this is where I make my best music. Like, I mean, I don't make my best music with the Boston Symphony. I make my best music with a woman that can barely carry three notes, you know, with her ukulele, you know, begging on the street corner. And there's where God's. So I think it's all the power that makes the sea monster, that makes the storm and the winds, right? I think that's the same power that's at work in a woman who thinks she's got no future and doesn't realize she's another version of Eve and that she's going to give birth to the new humanity. Mm. And that like, you know, that God's playing music all over the place. You just got to hear it. I mean, it's, and I think that's the hard thing. And this is where I think our, I mean, spiritual disciplines can be legalistic and problematic and, you know, Oh, you got to pray this time. That If we looked at spiritual disciplines as something more like, Hey, when you start reading these stories and setting some time aside, you start hearing, Hearing things you didn't hear. You start hearing notes. Like it's it's sort of like the person that goes to the symphony that's bored. What is Richard Gere saying? Pretty woman. There are two kinds of people. The people that once they go to the symphony or the opera, they love it. And other people that go and they'll never appreciate it or something. And Julia Roberts knows she's just wooed by it. And then you can be wooed more. The more you, you're with the people of God, the more you get into the liturgy a little bit. You know, the more you doubt your doubts and take these weird psalms and stories seriously. Seriously, the more music you hear, and I think that's what, I mean, what else is there to life than seeing more colors and hearing more notes? Yeah, no, that's beautiful. Where are you at on sea monsters? 
I like him. I like him. I'm into. I like it. I like monsters. I like the the King James says dragons. I yeah, love. All yeah, that yeah, stuff. yeah. I this, love that. I've had this idea. I've pitched it a few different places, and it's never got, never worked. I, I want to do a sermon series sometime called Beast Mode, and just do a week on the gnarly, like on like five gnarly animal stories. You know, so there's like Daniel in the lion's den. There's some Leviathan content in Job and in the Psalms. There's Balaam's ass. What else is there? There's a few other ones that I'm missing, guys. Animals. There's a horse. And the prophets, I forget. Okay. Ben, no? Nothing. All right. We're definitely deleting this part. All right. (laughs) Beast mode. Beast mode dies another death. All right. Let me uh let me pray us out. This is Psalm 148. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all you angels of his. Praise him, all his host. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, heaven of heavens, and all you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. He made them stand fast forever and ever. He gave them a law which shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you sea monsters and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and fog, tempestuous wind doing his will, mountains and hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild beasts and all cattle creeping things and winged birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the world, young men and maidens, old and young together. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name only is exalted. His splendor is over earth and heaven. He has raised up strength for his people and praise for all his loyal servants, the children of Israel, a people who are near him. Hallelujah. How about that episode of Our Trying Pod? Now that you've been prepped for praise, won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review? We promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming. So be sure to join us for another episode of your absolute favorite podcast.